Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to, Lord willing, we're going to finish up uh, the book of 1 Peter uh, next Sunday. There's our, our spring study, but we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at the first uh, several verses this morning. In every generation, there seems to be a crisis in which God raises up a leader to shepherd the people through that crisis. Uh, you know, if we just go back in recent history, we're reminded of Winston Churchill, his common confidence speech to the English people a few weeks before the fall of Nazi Germany, when he spoke to them and he said, we will never surrender. Instead, we will fight on the beaches and on the land and in the air and until the enemy is defeated. And who can remember our, or who can forget our, our, our President George Bush leading our nation through the days after 9-11. He was resolute and determined and poised and his uh, confidence and his uh, resolve comforted the soul of an entire nation and even a world. I think of the current crisis we find ourselves in and we thank God for President Trump and how he's leading our nation through this time. This morning, however, I'm not talking about political leadership. Instead, we'll be looking at what the Scripture has to say about spiritual leadership. The shepherds, the elders, the overseers that God has placed in His church. I submit to you this morning that the need for shepherd leaders is great. The need for shepherd leaders is great. When you survey the Scriptures, if you start in the Old Testament, the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel... God reserves his sharpest rebuke for the shepherds who had become derelict in their duty and had begun to fleece the sheep instead of feed the sheep. And as a result, the people of God languished behind. When we come to the New Testament, we read in the Gospels that Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because he, they were like sheep without a shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus identified himself as the good shepherd who knew his sheep, who would lead his sheep, and who would lay down his life for the sheep. Maybe the best known and most loved psalm is the 23rd psalm, where the first line says, the Lord is my shepherd, yes. And so the need for shepherd leaders is heightened because of the danger and the difficulty of the day in which we live. Consider what the New Testament has to say on shepherd leaders. I think of the words of Jesus to the Apostle Peter. Uh, it was after his public denial of Jesus. It was after the resurrection of Jesus. It was before his ascension. This past Thursday marked the 40th day from Easter. This past Thursday was Ascension Day. Next Sunday is, you know what next Sunday is? The 31st of May, Pentecost Sunday, the giving of the Spirit, the birth of the church. And so we have much to look forward to, but in that period before, between the resurrection, before his ascension, Jesus restored Peter there on the side of the Galilean shore. And we read that account there in, verse, in John chapter 21, where Jesus said, when they had, or when John wrote, he said, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this fishing business that you have? Peter, 
Do you love me more than these brethren here with you? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep or feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, he said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my lamb, my, my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Can you hear the passion of the Savior for his sheep? Peter, <clears throat> feed my lambs and tend my sheep and feed my sheep. The Apostle Paul, when he was on his way back to Jerusalem, he stopped on the coastal side of Asia Minor and he called for the elders from Ephesus. This was his final charge to them. And, and he said to them in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God, all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And we're reminded here as the children of God that we're just not children of God by our own doing. We're the children of God because we have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And God has said to the elders, keep watch over yourself and the flock that I have purchased with my blood. Later, the author of the Hebrews, uh, later, or the author of the book of Hebrews would write to the church there and he would say in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Over and over again we hear God's concern for his church. Your leaders, your elders, they're keeping watch over your souls. The picture there of keeping watch over your souls is the, the imagery in my mind of a U.S. Marine standing guard outside of a U.S. Embassy on foreign soil. And they're standing guard, they're watching. Some might say, why is this even necessary? Some might need the elders, but maybe the weak, maybe the new Christians, but I'm not in need of a shepherd leader or a shepherd elder. And I imagine that Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would say the church needs shepherd leaders because we live in dangerous and difficult days. And as Peter closes his letter to these brothers and sisters that were scattered across the... <clears throat> Roman Empire and as he would he closes this letter to these brothers and sisters who are suffering terribly for their uh, commitment to follow Christ publicly he reminds them of the dangers and the difficult days that they were living under 
in chapter 5, verse 10, Peter would say that we need shepherd leaders because life is marked by difficult suffering. Uh, verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. But after you have suffered a little while, that's a very real, that's the reality of the Christian life in this world. This has been a difficult time. And the scripture says because suffering is real, we need shepherd elders and shepherd leaders. And then I think Peter would say we need shepherd leaders and shepherd elders because life is threatened by a dangerous and deadly adversary. Life is threatened by a dangerous and deadly adversary. The past five months, we've been reminded and we have learned how fragile life really is. How quickly a small virus can stop life as we know it. And so many can die. And, and I know that there's a range of, of spectrum of, of where people think about this virus. But the point is this, that as dangerous and deadly as the coronavirus is, Peter would say that we have a, an unmatched adversary in the devil. And so in verse 8 of chapter 5, he writes, he says, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he comes against you. And he'll seek to destroy your faith and lead you astray and entice you with the temptations of this world and Arouse your fleshly appetites and all designed to bring destruction into your life. And so it's in the context of this dangerous and difficult days that Peter begins to wrap up his letter by writing about the need for shepherd elders and shepherd leaders. And our temptation might be to come to these verses and assume on these verses this thought. I'm not a pastor, and so these verses don't have anything to say to me. And I would ask you not to make that assumption. As we read the scriptures this morning, will you ask the Spirit of God to speak to you afresh in a new way? First Peter chapter one or five verses beginning with verse one, we'll read down to verse four. That'll be our text for this morning, and we'll look into the scriptures what God has to say. Begin with verse one. Peter writes, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, 
you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. The main subject of these verses is elders. Who are elders? What elders do? Why are they important? Let's begin to look more closely at these verses. I want to share with you three thoughts this morning regarding elders among you. The first thought is this, elders share God's work. Elders share God's work. Verse 1, Peter says, I exhort the elders among you. He begins there. I exhort, I urge, I implore, I entreat, I call upon, I beg the elders among you. And so Peter's writing and he's, he's speaking these words and these words are, are, are important words and, and God is, is, is speaking out here and he's saying, don't dismiss these words, don't minimize these words, don't ignore these words, don't trivialize them, don't say well, they don't apply to me, they apply to someone else. I urge the elders, plural, among you. Elders, plural. It's unfortunate that many times in the Protestant church We've adopted an American business model for church leadership in which the pastor is viewed as the president or as the CEO of the organization. That's not the biblical model. The biblical model of the church is to be led and shepherded by elders, men who share in God's work. Then notice how, how Peter emphasizes this sharing in of God's work. He says, I, I urge the elders, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Uh, Peter doesn't pull rank. He doesn't pull out his qualifications and say, listen, I was an apostle. He simply says, listen, I'm an elder with you. I'm doing what you're doing. I'm appealing to you as you're serving as an elder. I too am serving as an elder. And then he says, and I appeal to you as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now Peter did witness the sufferings of Christ in person, but I don't think he's referring here to just visually seeing Christ suffered, being an eyewitness to the sufferings of Christ. I think what Peter is saying here is he's using that word witness in the sense that is used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus said, You will be my witness. Uh, it's the word there, which we get our English word martyr. He says, I am bearing witness of the sufferings of Christ along with you. And here we find the heartbeat and the responsibility of a shepherd leader, a shepherd elder in the church, that they are to be committed to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to the sufferings of Christ. You say, what is so, so important about the sufferings of Christ? As I said the past several weeks, the thing that is struck me, one of the things that has been striking me most about this epistle is how often Peter returns to the sufferings of Christ. I think of that verse there in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, that Christ suffered in the flesh to bring us to God. And this is a commitment to the gospel ministry. And so you say, what is the, the big deal? And he says, also he says, as a, a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. Peter is absolutely convinced that the best is yet to come. That yes, this life is going to be marked by suffering, but 
The glory of Christ is going to be revealed. And he looked forward to that in a second epistle that he would write. He said, I was a witness. I was, I was on that mountain. I heard the voice from heaven at that transfiguration where that voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I will. Please listen to him. Peter says, I was there. I saw it. And there is a glory that is coming. And he's writing about this to encourage us and to remind us that not just to be wrapped up and consumed with life in this world as we know it. No, that our hearts, our longings, our affections must be for Christ. Think of the, the hymn that we just sang, that, that Christ is all that I have. And so, uh, <clears throat> elders, when we think of the word elders, uh, there's, uh, three words that are used in the New Testament for elders, or three words that, that are used for spiritual leaders in the church. The one word that we don't use often in, in our circles is that word elders. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Another word is the word overseer. We're going to talk about that. We see that in verse 2. And the third word that we're most familiar with is the word pastor. But all three words are used interchangeably in the scriptures for the, the work and the responsibility of a pastor. Let me just kind of give you a quick Bible study, a couple minutes here, and then we'll move on. The first word is elders that we see here in verse 1. Titus would, Paul would write to Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. He says, I've left you in the island of Crete that you would appoint elders in every church. And broadly speaking, the word elders focuses on spiritual maturity, that those who are to shepherd the people of God are to be men of spiritual maturity. Uh, the word overseers, we see that, that they're to exercise oversight. It's also used in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, if anyone desires to be an overseer, other translations would say, if anyone desires to be a bishop, the word overseer, uh, describes the ministry responsibility to lead and to direct, to oversee the people of God and the work of God in a church. And the third word, the word that we're most familiar with is pastor. It's the word shepherd. We see it there in verse 2 of our text this morning. It's that word that rang through that, that conversation that Jesus had with Peter on that Galilean uh, lakeside shore. And, and the word shepherd speaks of pastoral care, that, that shepherds are to protect and to lead and to know and to feed the flock of God or the people of God. Our, our English word pastor comes from this word shepherd. And as you know, uh, at the start of the year, I, I had, at, at, at the end of the last year, at the start of this year, I'd asked our deacons and three other men uh, godly men from our church to form a transitional leadership team that as we began to think about how we are governed and how we are organized as a church body to, uh, to, to look at the whole idea of what is biblical eldership and as we've studied the scriptures together and as we've looked at other churches and as we have read resources here's a definition of elders that we've been working with and let me just share this with you and then we're going to move on. Elders are men of character and competency who are called and commissioned to care for God's people. And I think this captures the essence of what an elder is. Elders are men of character 
that they're godly men, men whose lives have been examined, men of competency, the the responsibility, the chief responsibility of an elder is to be able to teach the people of God the truths of God to refute those who are in error to those who, uh, and we're going to see this here in the text. So not only the lives examined, but their doctrine has been examined who are being called by the Holy Spirit who have been commissioned, set apart by the church to care for God's people. The work of elders that the elders share in is the care of God's people. First thought, elders share in God's work. Number two, the second thought that I want to share with you from this text is that elders shepherd God's flock. Elders shepherd God's flock. Notice verse two, shepherd the flock of God among you. I find an interesting play on words there. Verse one, I exhort the elders among you Elders, shepherd the flock of God among you. The main verb in these opening verses is that word right there, shepherd. What does it mean to shepherd the flock of God? Well, a couple insights. Shepherds uh, care. Shepherds care. Shepherds Shepherd the flock of God among you. The heart of a shepherd is that of care. We see this in the example and in the teaching of Jesus in places like John chapter 10. We don't have time this morning to look there, but I'd encourage you just to note that. John chapter 10, later on this afternoon, take some time to read that chapter. That's the chapter where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus tells us the qualities of a good shepherd. A shepherd knows his sheep by name. A shepherd will leave the 99 and search for the one. That's not in John chapter 10, but we do know that in other teachings of Jesus in uh, places like Luke chapter 15. Shepherds guide their sheep to green pastures. That is, the shepherds uh, feed the sheep. They, They lead them to places where they can be fed. Shepherds protect the sheep from predators and thieves. And as the good shepherd, shepherds lay down their lives for the sheep. The point is that Jesus is saying, and what Peter is writing to us about here, when he says, shepherd the flock of God among you, he says that shepherds are going to care for the people of God. They're going to feed them. They're going to know them. They're going to protect them. They're going to lead them. But notice what he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. How? Exercising oversight. How are shepherds to care for the our elders to shepherd God's flock they they're to exercise oversight that's the word for overseer they're to watch over the flock of God we may think of uh, the Christmas story right the shepherds were what were they doing you guys sound like you're been in a Spanish class or something what were the shepherds doing on the night that Christ was born? They were what? Watching their flock, by Watching their flock by night. Yeah, some of you spoke English, the rest of you spoke I'm not sure what language y'all spoke, but anyways. And so like a physical shepherd, uh, the spiritual, uh, the physical shepherds that, that watch over their sheep and they, for predators that might maul their sheep or um, sheep that will tend to stray or they, they examine their sheep for parasites Shepherds and elders must watch over the the flock of God. How do they do that? Two ways. 
uh, to, sh shepherds are to watch for false teaching. Shepherds are to watch for false teaching. Acts chapter 20, uh, we read those verses already. We read the verse that led up to these verses here. Uh, but he, Paul warns the elders in Ephesus about wolves coming in sheep clothing and leading the people of God astray. The false teaching that adds to the gospel. You must do something in addition to Christ for your salvation. The false teaching that uh, gives a uh, license to sinful behavior. It's just like, well, the scriptures warn about that. The false teaching of a prosperity gospel, the false teaching that wasn't, doesn't want to identify sin. And so shepherds have the responsibility of that. And shepherds are to watch for sinful behavior, like a parasite that can infect a sheep and can uh, leave a sheep sickly or, in a worst case scenario, kill the sheep. Sin can easily creep in and kill and destroy and ruin and ravage the people of God. And so shepherds are to watch over their flock. Now notice what the scripture says. The scripture tells us how the shepherds are to exercise oversight. And in verses 2 and 3, we find two, three contrasts. Each begins with a negative, not this way, and it ends with a positive. But in this way, this is how you're to watch over the sheep. Right? Uh, first... Shepherds are to watch over the flock of God willingly. There is a desire. There is an energy. There is a willingness. I must do this. It's not under compulsion. Right? Uh, I read of a man being woken up um, by his wife one morning. And she says, it's time for you to get out of bed. And he said, give me three good reasons why I should get out of bed. And she said, it's Sunday morning. And we ought to be in the house of God. Number two, church starts in 45 minutes, so you need to get out of bed fast. Number three, you're the pastor. <laughs> Shepherds are to watch over the flock of God willingly. And then the scripture says, uh, not for sin, shameful gain, but eagerly that the shepherds are only to watch over the flock of God willingly, but they're to watch over the flock of God eagerly. They, they don't. They should not watch over the flock of God for what they can merely get from it. They're to watch over you with an eagerness because they care deeply for you. And thirdly, verse 3 he says that the shepherds are not to exercise oversight, not in a domineering way, but being examples to the flock of God. Not to be a domineering type person, a tyrant that berates the sheep, that controls and manipulates the sheep. There, there are times that, that the shepherd must lead well and lead with strength as, as sin must be addressed and discipline must be exercised and false doctrine must be corrected, yes, but always as an example. The idea there of an example is to, is to leave a mark uh, during this time of crisis. Uh, 
my wife has <clears throat> developed her to-do list and it's growing daily. I mean, I can't even check them off and she keeps adding to them. And as I work on the house, oftentimes I, I'll use a tool and I'll miss the nail head and I'll hit the wrong nail and I've left a mark on my finger. And that's the idea of an example. That your spiritual leaders are to leave a mark, an indelible mark and an impression in your life for godliness. Where your view of God has been elevated and your faith in Him in trying times has deepened. This is what a shepherd is to do. I read recently of a group of tourists in Israel and the tour guide was teaching them about the shepherds and sheep in, in Palestine and, and the tour guide had been instructing them and had been teaching them and saying, listen, the shepherd, you can always identify a true shepherd. He's out in front, he's leading, he's guiding his sheep, he doesn't drive the sheep from behind. And as they were traveling through the uh, land of Israel, they noticed off in the horizon a herd of sheep and the shepherd was behind the sheep barking orders and driving the sheep ahead. And the, one of the tourists said, well, look at, there's a shepherd there and he's from behind and he's driving the sheep. And, and so they stopped the bus and the tour guide went out and he had this lively exchange and hands were being, you know, in motion, voices were being raised and, and the Tour guide came back on the bus and he had a grin on his face. And he said, oh, that man's not the shepherd. That man's the butcher. <laughs> and shepherds leave by an, an example, leaving an indelible mark, the imprint of godliness and faith in your life. So elders, the word of God says this, they share in God's work and they shepherd God's flock. The third thought that I want to leave with you this morning is that elders serve the good shepherd. Now verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. This is the heart, this is the motive, this is, um, this is the why for shepherd leaders, for elders in the church. They look forward to the day when they'll stand before the Lord. And as I just was kind of thinking about this verse this week, uh, several thoughts came to my mind. Serving the good shepherd by caring for his sheep first is a weighty responsibility, a weighty responsibility. I think of that verse in Hebrews chapter 13 which we already read. Obey your leaders, submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. The weighty responsibility is that your shepherd leaders and your shepherd elders, they, they stand before God one day and they give an account for you. It's a labor-intensive responsibility. Serving the good shepherd by caring for his people is a labor-intensive responsibility. Colossians chapter 1, Paul writing, 
He says, Him, Jesus Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present, this is the why, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So I, he says, I warn, I teach, so that everyone will be will mature in Christ. This is the end game. This is the goal. The, so the, the, the heart of a shepherd leader is, is not so that the church becomes bigger and bigger and that there's more resources in the church coffers and, and that there's, uh, that's not the heart of a shepherd leader and a shepherd elder. The heart of a shepherd leader and elder is that one day when we stand before Christ, we mature, we're complete in him. And so Paul writes in verse 29, he says, for this I toil. I, 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 I spend every ounce of my energy. Talk about my, the, my wife's to-do list at the house. And, and it's like, she's worked out this system. She, I, I come in. I'll, I mean, this happened yesterday. I was working in the, doing the remodel in the bathroom. And, and, and she goes, I'm going to go shopping. <laughs> she goes for a couple hours and sweat is dripping profusely. And progress is slow. Do you need anything? No, I don't need anything. Knowing that the work is not done, I'll be back. I got more shopping to do. But the energy is being spent. And Paul says, I am spending energy, all of my energy, struggling with all of his energy, struggling, this idea there of going to the gymnasium and working out with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. It's a labor-intensive responsibility, and it's a joy-filled responsibility. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul writes, he says, For what is our joy, our hope, our joy, or a crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? Paul says, we look forward to the return of Christ, and our hope, and our joy, and our crown of boasting on that day will be that we'll be able to present you to him. This is at the heart of a shepherd elder, shepherd leader, serving the good shepherd, looking to that day when he comes. So, I had asked you at the beginning not to look at these verses and to say, well, I'm not a pastor, so they don't apply to me. I'll just look down to verse 5. What are the applications? Let me share with you a couple applications. Um, number one, uh, pray, pray for your shepherds. Pray for your shepherds. Your shepherds are fallible and dependent. Fallible. We're not going to get it right every time. And dependent. We're dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ, His leading and His guiding. We cannot do anything apart from him. Jesus said in John chapter 15, unless you, he says, you're a vine, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Unless you remain in me, you cannot bear, you will not bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so your shepherd leaders and your shepherd elders, they, they, we need your prayers. Receive the ministry of your shepherd elders and shepherd leaders. They care for you they're watching over your souls 
as we look to the future and the transitional team as we work together and we, we want to share with you more about what does it mean to have elders in a church, but just know this, that elders are here to care for you, that we live in dangerous and difficult days where suffering is real and our adversary is, is equally real. And we need to watch care over our souls. And then just remember that shepherds are also sheep. And as you depend upon the Lord, as you walk with the Lord, as you seek to grow in the Lord, as you need the grace of God in your life, your shepherds need the same commitment that the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is not finished in the shepherds when they become elders or leaders. That the work of God continues on us. And together, we look to the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ.